Hello and welcome to the Overly Animated Podcast, where we take animation seriously. I'm Beatrice Murad, and today I'm joined by Melanie Moyer. Hello. And Sam Quattro. Hi. Today is all about Disney princesses. The good, the bad, and the pretty of it all. Why is it so easy to love and to both love and hate these characters? And how big of a role do they have in our popular culture? We are going to try and scratch the surface of this genre of Disney. A genre that made Disney what it is today. Seriously, oui. Disney would not exist without Disney princesses. Hashtag justice for snow. Like, Mickey snow. gets all the credit. Mickey gets all the credit when, in fact, it was Snow White who hard-carried Disney Animation Studios. Yeah. So, you know what I, I always found funny about the Snow White thing was that his wife, like, legitimately said to him, she's like, nobody's going to sit in a theater for 90 minutes and watch animation. Like, you're ridiculous. And he was like, well, what if I do anyway? And yeah. now here we are. And fun fact, Snow White was the highest-grossing film of all time until Gone with the Wind two years later. Like, that's... That's a very successful film if it takes yeah. Gone with the Wind to topple you. It got a uh, honorary Oscar. Yeah. Which was the Oscar with seven little Oscars next to it. Aww. Aww. <laughs> but um but yeah, so uh you can find out more about this podcast at overlyanimated.com. You can subscribe to us on iTunes at overlyanimated.com slash iTunes, where we appreciate your star ratings, or search for overly animated on your favorite podcatcher. Okay, so it's a big topic. We're not going to cover everything. It's impossible to. So I kind of just want to start off with the personal. Did you guys like Disney princesses growing up? Is there any particular one that you gravitated towards? Any can it, kind of any fond memories or not so fond memories of these characters? Sam, let's start with you. Uh, well, growing up, my favorite Disney movies had to do with like the animals and like the hunchbacks so uh i would say i wasn't like a huge fan of disney princesses like in terms of like me growing up i was like a tomboy i didn't have time for like the frilly disney princess garb and all that like bs uh yeah i don't know but like growing up and like being an adult i have an appreciation for them you know i have watched many a disney princess film and I think that they're all great, but, you know, there's a lot to unpack there. There's, like, a lot of feminism stuff, a lot of weird stuff. I don't know, man. Yeah, basically, yeah. <laughs> and Mel, what about you? Um, Yeah, I was, I mean, like, I'm trying to think, like, at the time was I into it? Because, like, in is it my nostalgic brain thinking, oh, yeah, I was totally into Disney princesses, or was I not really? Um. Because I recall being super terrified of Snow White. Not Snow White the person. Like, Snow White the the movie. movie. Um, Like, I specifically couldn't watch past the part where she turns into the hag. Like, that entire sequence scared me. That That was was very scary. That's traumatizing. Beauty and the Beast, like, as an adult, ended up being one of my favorite films, period. But I remember as a kid, like, that one freaked me out a little bit, too. Um, yeah, I mean, like, when I think back, like, you know what actually I was really into when I was a kid was Mulan? Yeah. Like, yeah. I remember yeah. specifically the day that my my VHS tape, you know, like, got eaten by the VCR. No. And, like, how just freaked out I was and so, like, just because I had played it so much. Yeah. Um, but I also gravitated towards a lot of non-Disney princess stuff because I was really into Atlantis. Yeah. Um 
when that came out and Hercules, which I guess, you know, is like, you know, he's like the male Disney prince. I don't know. Like, that's a weird <laughs> well, one. He's a, he's a Greek god. That qualifies, <laughs> yeah. I think. Um, so I think if I'm being honest, yeah, like I wasn't super into them when I was a kid. Um, but like now as an adult, I'm, you know, into the, the, the mature analytics of uh, the Disney princess. The feminist theories of Disney princesses. Yeah, feminist <laughs> theories of, of Disney princesses. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm on the similar vote. I, I have a theory on like, you know, because everyone has like the one Disney movie that they just completely stand by. And I feel like it's just a generational thing. Like a lot of people who are kind of born in, in, in say like, I don't know, if they were a certain kid during like 89, then late Little Mermaid was like, everything for them oh, yeah. for, because like so many people like that were born like around 93 94 i feel like they all say mulan and it's like same yeah like i'm like mulan was everything for me i was like this is the greatest this is super interesting and i didn't really think about disney princesses that much at, at least as a, as a concept until i was like much older and i was like oh yeah this is like this is a thing and oh why does she like sleep for the entire movie and I never questioned this or why does she like want to lose her voice for a man we'll get into it we'll get mm. into it but um but yeah so obviously like I was already very much tinted by the the I guess the modern Disney princess not so much the classic one I was never so, really big into it yeah I mean I guess this is something that we might discuss but where where do you draw the line for modern Disney princess Okay, so I kind of, I didn't necessarily, I kind of broke it down to three. Okay, so I did classic Disney, which is, hold on, let me pull it up. But it's classic (laughs) Disney, which is Snow White, Cinderella, and Sleeping Beauty. Then you have the renaissance of Disney, which is Mm -hmm. Ariel, Belle, Pocahontas, Mulan, Jasmine. And then you have like the current Disney, which is Tiana, Rapunzel, Merida, Elsa, and Anna. And Merida, it's also, it's also like a question. Oh, yes, and Moana. Yes, she's yeah, there. Moana it's counts. Just, she, it's a, I she, Moana. Just letting people like know, that. don't get mad at me. It's just that <laughs> it cut off. In no, the I forget when, her a lot, too. It went on the second page. She's, so she's there, people. I just She's just too new. She's very recent, so sometimes she's I forget. Yeah. But, like, that's the question, though, also, like, is, like, should Merida be counted as a Disney princess and she's technically Pixar? It's like, why isn't... Okay, let's just start with the whole reason why I decided to do this podcast, which is the Wreck-It Ralph teaser yeah. trailer came out and had yeah. that wonderful scene with the princesses, arguably the thing that stole the show. It's the reason why everyone's going to go see Wreck-It Ralph now, or Wreck-It Tag Ralph yourself, 2. I'm Cinderella. Is, <laughs> is because of this scene with all these Disney princesses. And it's interesting that you say you're Cinderella because it's kind of like, this is giving a chance for a lot of these princesses that weren't really given a personality. Suddenly, yeah. now they have a personality. <laughs> Suddenly, it's like, in that very brief moment, I got more from Cinderella than I did <laughs> in the entire Cinderella film. You got Which ears. funny, right? Because it's like, um, what a cultural commentary that Cinderella is using her own glass slipper as a shank. Right? <laughs> <laughs> like, you could write entire papers on that three-second action. <laughs> I mean, and it was, and it's brilliant. Of course, she would be the one. She's got it, you know. She's 
it's it's wonderful, but at the same time, it's like all I remember from the actual Cinderella film was just like her looking that gift, that gift that everyone uses where she's just looking into space. Oh, yeah. She's a meme. <laughs> yeah, she looks meme. like super uh, under the influence. Oh man, but um, but yeah, so. For the most part, everyone's like freaking out about this this scene and it being so wonderful and like, oh my god, it's the princesses! It's the most ambitious crossover in cinema history. I agree. It is. It kind of is. I agree. <laughs> I don't think so. I do. But continue. Like, here's my backstory with this because I didn't watch the Wreck It Ralph trailer when it came out. Like, I the first time I actually saw it was when I went to go see The Incredibles. Right. So when I was seeing all this stuff pop up, when everyone was like, were you poisoned? Were you this? Were you that? Like, I didn't know where it came from. I was just like, oh, the internet's found a new thing, I guess. And they were like applying <laughs> Disney princess toy. stuff to like Avengers people is where I was seeing it the most. Cause that's where my Tumblr's at right now. So I was like, I don't know what this is. And then when I saw the trailer, I was like, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> Especially cause they got pretty much most of the available original voice actors I back know. to do these cameo bits. Yeah. I mean, question is it, is, is that Pocahontas's voice actress? I don't know. That's why, like I say, most of the available, cause I'm not, I'm not sure about all of Some them. Some of them are probably but, dead. Yeah, well, you think Snow White? I'm thinking Snow White is the one that would be. I don't know. Even she might be, might have, might have passed on. But um, we have Google. But like, yeah, like that was Adina Menzel. That was um, is is it Demi Moore? Moore. Mandy Moore. Moore. Demi Moore is is is. So it was Jodie Benson higher in the celebrity grade. (laughs) Like, so um, it was Jodie Benson as Ariel, Pedro Herrera as Belle, Linda Larkin as Jasmine. She's the original. Um, original Mulan, original Tiana, original Rapunzel. Yeah, it looks like everyone came back. Gotcha, gotcha. But yeah, so it's 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 it except was a white. except Snow White, of course. But again, She's this is this this lovely like um little moment, and yet some people have been criticizing it a little bit, and I kind of see what they're saying. But you could also make the argument that this criticism has been since the beginning of Disney princesses has been a thing. A lot of people are saying how all these princesses look the same. And by look the same, I mean that they have the same body type. They say, have the same body shape, same facial structure. Sure, one's blonde, one's uh, a different shade of, of skin color, but they're in, if you look at the, at the essential way that the characters are designed, they're kind of the same thing. Um, and a lot of people are bugged by that. And there is this kind of argument that it's like, oh, well, it's this Disney style and whatever. But this kind of gets us into this conversation of like, well, what are like, what do we do with these kind of beauty standards, standards that these princesses promote? Because, I mean, think about it. For a long time, they were all white. Mo- they're all thin. They all have like these eyes that are just too like big eyes from that movie, that Tim Burton movie. Which one? You know that Tim Burton movie with um, what's her name, Amy the Adams? It's literally eyes. called Big Eyes or something. Oh, okay. So I was thinking of like the animated ones. So I was like, yeah, some no, big eyes. No, 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 no. <laughs> there is no. I'm going for the very creepy live action film where the eyes scared me. Anyway, point is like it's just there's this very specific style, and it's kind of like one. What impact? Like, what is the impact that has on? young girls in particular because they're the ones who are basically consuming this stuff and two is like well where do we draw the line of like okay this is a disney style versus disney you gotta differentiate this up like that's not an excuse anymore 
Mm-hmm. You know? So it's kind of like that, that was the main concern. So I, I was just curious about what you got, if you got, how you, you guys would respond to this type of criticism based well, on the Record Ralph teaser. Based, so what is the, so are we criticizing the Wreck-It Ralph teaser for perpetu- continuing to like perpetuate the idea that, you know, all of them need to look big eyed and thin or like the fact that it didn't address that or like the criticism uh, of that first, being a, first the first one. one. Yes, okay. Yeah. So they were still animated the same way, even in Wreck-It Ralph is what you're saying. Basically, like I, I have my thoughts on the criticism, but I'm just curious how you guys like reacted to react. Um, with to that, I would wait to see how the movie handles it just because, you know, for the sake of a trailer, they're going to do what they're going to do. And like, you know, I, this will probably end up being a two minute scene even though they're using it as a huge like promotional right. um yeah pool like you mentioned like everyone's going to watch just to see that scene right. um <clears throat> but you know so it's like I, I don't know how it's gonna go like did we see basically all of it in the trailer like is there more like commentary there to be had um you know they look the way they look i guess you know because unfortunately that's just like the way they were all designed in their original um properties and like they're gonna keep that like they just kind of like morph them into a little bit of the Wreck-It Ralph style of animation. Um, Cinderella's ears were a big talking point. Well, I appreciate that. They're they, adorable. They actually gave her it. ears. I'm like, thank yeah. you. She's very cute. I like how Cinderella looks. She's adorable. Yeah. Well, she yeah. slices I, I, the throat I, of a child. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. But, it's my um, kind of lady. Same. What about what about you, Sam? Like, is there what would you? How do you react to this? I mean, yeah, there isn't too much body diversity here, but then again, in, like, the whole social context and, like, looking at what other, like, media slash products that are aimed towards young girls, like, look at Barbie, for example. They just, like, did the body diversity Barbies, like, within the last five years. So it's, like, I don't know. I don't really expect Disney to just, like, go back and you know, make Cinderella, like, have a certain kind of body type that's different from, like, the skinny, sick figure she was, or something else like that. Right. Um, that might be more on, like, my part, though, because, like, you know, I think the big shock in the trailer was seeing, like, all the 2D princesses animated in 3D, right. and, like, oh, that's cool, and you don't really think about, like, you know how I'm looking at like comparison pictures between the 2D and the 3D. They kind of made spot the three differences. They made like Pocahontas skinnier, and they did like a whole bunch of other like small tweaks and like little things. And I don't know, man. It's just is what it is. You know, maybe someday we'll have a more body diverse princess. I think Mo- Moana. Mo- yeah, I was gonna say Moana. She, she is. Yes, Moana's in there. I. I don't know how Moana looks a little bit skinnier to me too, but that's just that's me. Because I mean, I don't know. Like when I when I when I first like react when I first saw the critique, I was like, I get it, but at the same time, I was like, maybe. But I feel like that's the point. They're essentially going to the marketing, like the online version, like the web, the Disney website, right? That's where they're yeah. going. And when it's marketing, it's going to look very different from the actual product. If that makes any ridiculous. sense. <laughs> so i don't know for me i just f- kind of saw it as like maybe that like i don't know i thought that was like an intentional decision or maybe it was just like easier for them to animate them by like i guess uniformity i guess 
I guess my most interesting, my most interesting, that's not right. The thing I found most interesting, there we go, um, is like choosing what outfit, right? Is oh, like yeah. the outfit they're going to put them in. The like canon I outfit. for Yeah, like yeah. The, the big outfit, right? Like Rapunzel has her hair again. Um, you know, like I couldn't tell if Anna still had the streak in her hair, but she had her little snow dress. Like, she, obviously, Elsa owns no other pair of clothing, <laughs> so that's what she's yeah, she in. She threw it all away, and I don't think she yeah, can get she, it back. Yeah, she let it's all go, in that man. mountain somewhere. She has no other clothes. She has she has no access anywhere to other clothes. Nope. As a you know, that's that's. <laughs> That's how it seems. Um, but anyway, yeah, like that's the that's like I was like, oh, like that's it. like picking like seeing what outfits they picked to put people in was kind of an interesting thing to me because like okay, if this is gonna meant to be the ultimate commentary, the ultimate meta self referential commentary on Disney princesses, and these they are just put them all in their princess garb. How they're the choosing part. to put them. Yeah, I that's what I'm saying, right? Like they put them yeah. in their most iconic looks. I think that makes it more subversive, though, right? Like because they are like in their most iconic look. It's like I feel like if you put Cinderella without her glass slippers, and suddenly it's like you wouldn't have that moment where she legit just smashes one. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like you know? that. So I feel like it's 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 it. I feel like it's a very intentional that they're making them look as iconic as we think of them in their most iconic outfit, in their most iconic look, just so that whenever they, whatever it is that they do with them, it will be in, it will make it whatever it is they they do more subversive, if anything. (laughs) Let's talk about then, let's talk about like more into these films in particular. Is there any, like, can classic Disney princesses be saved? Like, is, like, beyond their historical value, beyond Mm -hmm. Snow White simply being, uh, the first animated feature film in English in Technicolor. It, how can I justify showing this to a young girl and being like, "This is this is women. This is a woman." Make them quirky and clumsy. Like no, let's no, so, like no, no, looking, no, like, looking showing, at Snow yeah, White. Yeah, showing yeah. the 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 film Snow White. Like, how do I justify showing this to a young girl and being like, "This is I the type know. of representation I want you to be." to be in your life yeah so that's the thing right it's like i don't like i would show it to somebody who you know for the sake of like film history and you know as like a piece of you know like okay this is the first animated film you know but i wouldn't say to a kid like oh check this out it's really great and you'll learn a lot from it yeah snow white should be (laughs) your role model Okay, so then where do you draw the line? Like where which are the movies that you'd be like, I'm I feel comfortable showing this to a child versus like in terms of just simply like representation wise, like this is something I want a child to like intake versus which where do you draw that line? Because so, so for some people it differs. For me, I would honestly probably start with Ariel. Really? Yeah. Well, I think I might start with Jasmine. Jasmine, not Belle. Oh yeah, I forgot Beauty and Beast came before. My bad. <laughs> I hate my all bad. of you. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, I have a. Hot I mean, take normally on I would Beast. answer with Belle, right? Like normally I would say, you know, Belle was the first like kind of, you know, time we deviated from this in a huge way because that movie just deviated from everything in a huge way and kind of like played against itself. But with Ariel, like I don't see. Like, yeah, like, I don't love the idea of her giving up her voice for a dude, but I do love the just the overall idea of her independence, right? Like, yeah, like, she gave up her voice to be with a dude, but she made the choice to do it. 
Um, you know, and the defiant rebellious teenager aspect, like, you know, she was the first time she took like agency in her own story, even though like, personally, I would never, and I would hope that nobody else would ever, but you know, like it was the first time she, but then again, you could even argue, I suppose that sleeping beauty did that because she straight up like disobeyed her, her fairy godmothers and did that for a guy too. So maybe it's not so new, but it's I don't interesting. Know, I, I'd feel okay with Ariel. It's interesting you mentioned that because a lot of people make the case that even with the early Disney princesses, um, that they are essentially the beginnings of feminism because every action, I, and this is a quote from, I think it's from the Cracked is the website. I don't know what it's called, but I read the, there was a quote saying that every, the beginnings, like, that every Disney princess shows the beginnings of feminism, at least in the classic Disney princesses, because they all, all their actions are rebelling against patriarchy. Mm-hmm. Like all of them in general. How does, I guess, okay, so then how does like Snow White, I, like, I don't know. I didn't write it. So I wouldn't You're know. like, I didn't write it. I just thought it was no. Um, but, um, or have but, I seen it in like years? I mean, I can um, argue her interaction with the dwarves and kind of the way she pushes back against them a little bit. Um, I don't know. I mean, there's a lot to pick apart there. But um, I don't know. I think because that's also the thing, like even with like, for instance, Sleeping Beauty, which by the way, she was like my favorite render of the Wreck-It Ralph stuff. Sleeping Beauty looked amazing. But um, but yeah, it's that whole thing of like, but she's like asleep for most of it. Like there's just completely removed of agency as a as a result of going against the patriarchy, if we're gonna go in line with that, yeah, yeah. it's like statement. a consequence of going against exactly. the patriarchy. Exactly. <clears throat> so it's kind of like, I guess the beginnings of feminism, but also like you can clearly see that the people who made those movies were not feminists. Yeah, well, it's the ultimate male gaze, right? Like Sleeping Beauty stories. Um, like that's what that's like. That's what that's referred to yeah. in folklore is a sleeping beauty cycle of stories, which Snow White is like the idea that she's asleep in a glass box. Like she's on display and like yep. just completely and out and immobile, yeah. like involuntary, like all this stuff. It's like the ultimate yeah. male gaze. And there are seven dudes watching her. Uh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Fun stuff. Fun stuff. Um, but yeah. So there's like nothing. So you guys would go with Ariel and with Belle. Is how you guys would start with showing like young 90s, kids, yeah. like nineties. I think so. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay, but question: like, how? Okay, because for instance, like, hot take right now. Hot takes for days. <laughs> yeah. I honestly feel romance in Disney movies hasn't haven't been properly done until recent, until like current Disney. And, like, a lot of times, or no, that's a lie, because Mulan did a pretty good job of it. But um, Yeah, that was, a, Mulan's, like, was very natural, right? Because, like, yeah. they didn't really end up together, but it was, like, yeah. falling into like, kind like, of. Yeah. Let's go on a first date. Yeah. Kind of thing. Basically. Um, Let's have dinner. But, yeah, so, like, a lot of times, and something I've kind of found is that with the Renaissance Disney, what they often do is... They they don't necessarily, like, they will subvert what classic Disney princesses would do in terms of, like, Belle with her books and, and, and um, Ariel wanting to be, you know, actually having agency to do what she wants to do. But it always is dragged down by the romance. Yeah. Point in question is Ariel, right? You know, she, it's like, this movie would be so great 
if only she didn't lose the voice for a guy. But, Mm -hmm. I mean, again, you're right. It's her choice to do so. So it's kind of like, well, then what about... It's a dumb choice, but... It's a dumb choice, but she has the right to do it. But also, why not just lose the voice so she can have legs so she can go to the world she wants to go to? Like, why do you have to make it about a guy when she already lays the foundation for another reason just simply to do it? Yeah, so a huge reading of this whole thing, right? Um, And I have to do some more investigation, like, to vet this, but... um, Howard Ashman, who is the lyricist for um, Little, Mermaid. Little Mermaid up until like halfway through Aladdin uh, when he passed away, um, was like a huge feminist. Um, you know, so a lot of people have looked at part of your world and pointed out nothing in this song, you know, talks about Eric at all or talks about the dude like it talks about all the stuff she wants to do like she wants to run on the sand and be in the sun and like collect weird crap and you know do all this stuff that she can't do um under under the under the ocean Uh, as a mer person you know and you know the that line that gets brought up a lot in this reading is um betcha on land they understand that they don't reprimand their daughters and, like, just this idea that Howard Ashman was inserting into this, like, a feminist narrative and feminist lyrics because this song, which is the huge defining song of The Little Mermaid, has nothing to do with the dude. Like, later, yes, yeah, she gives up her voice to be with this dude, but, you know, the ultimate idea is, like, you know, maybe he represents to her this freedom for whatever reason. Like, that's the image of freedom that she's going for because she was into the idea of being a human living on land way before she ever met him. And she was met, saw, stalked, um, you know, and she was collecting things and, and, you know, yearning to do this. It was just, this was the catalyst that said, okay, like, yeah, like this is it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to make a move for it. So that's a deeper reading though, than what kids are going to see, because, you know, you look at it and you say, oh, she gave up her voice for a dude and she left her family and grew a pair of legs for a dude, which is not wrong. It's just, you know, there's a lot more meaning to it underneath that I think you could justify saying, okay, like this was, this was more than kind of what it gets boiled down to. Right. Right. I think is if anything, I honestly think the problem with little mermaid is that it ends with marriage. I think had it not ended with marriage, had it just been ended kind of like Mulan in terms of like, it's the start of a relationship. There's still potential for it to not end up in the end. Had it not been presented as true love then maybe it's kind of had it just kind of been more of a of a i guess more mis- mystery into how whether or not they end up together or not then mm. maybe it would have been much more of like oh she didn't just do this for him like she knows that this itself may not pan out but she's still like you know has yeah. like she's going to have her legs and she's still going to have a life and doesn't necessarily 100% have to involve him but the fact that it is portrayed as love at first sight and it ends with marriage and it's like that typical kind of I don't know I just feel like with these Disney Renaissance films or at least up to a certain point there comes this point where it's just it's like yes like they make certain steps but then they backtrack it with with this romance. I feel like the romance mm-hmm. in the Renaissance films, at least again, with the exception of possibly Mulan, it's, they don't, it's kind of like two steps forward, five steps back. Mm-hmm. So it's just kind of like, well, what do we do with this? Like, you know, it's like, and it's just kind of really goes to show how far we've come with Disney princesses. Cause if you compare that 
to Frozen, which is kind of like current Disney films now, straight up, if they if they do everything but look into the straight into the camera and wink at you, right? They do yeah. everything but that. <laughs> They're just like, we know what you think of Disney princesses and we're going to do the opposite or we're going to actually do uh, a very overtly feminist thing. Like, yeah. love at first sight, we're going to scoff at that because we're going to actually teach you how wor- the world works. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's just kind of very, uh, I don't know, I just kind of think it's interesting. Do you Do you guys think like... Obviously, we've progressed, but for these previous films, like, what, how do we, what do we do with them is the question. Like, how do uh-huh. we deal, how do we engage with them and still be able to enjoy them or at least show them to this kind of, to like, you know, younger generations, well, the people who want to consume them? Because, you know, like, part of your world is this wonderful song and like Sleeping Beauty is visually stunning to look at, you know? Well, and that's like the thing, right? You have to pick it apart, um, you know, and kind of realize like, you know, it's at this point, like kind of like the sum of its parts, you know, like you, you say that this is important because this, and this is important because this, like, I wouldn't show these movies to someone and say, look how great, like, you know, this is like a huge thing we were, that we discussed, um, in my writing seminars in college, which was like, you know, we have all these great pieces of literature that we create, that we consider great pieces of literature. And a lot of them are racist and super, super sexist and misogynistic and homophobic and all these things, but we consider them great works of art. And there was this great article, um, by, um, Oh, the, he wrote, uh, things fall apart. I forget his name. That's I, I feel bad about that. But the author of Things Fall Apart, which was a response piece to um, Heart of Darkness, basically said, you know, it was putting this Heart question. Of Darkness? What? Just Heart of Darkness? What is the what was he responding to? Heart of Darkness. I've just have been forced to read Heart of Darkness so many times that the fact that you said what is Heart of Darkness like <laughs> yeah, I shocked me. Heart um <laughs> Heart of Darkness is a novella. Um by Conrad about a man who travels into the interior of the Congo, a like white colonial, like man from England who's traveling into the Congo to meet with this mysterious fellow colonizer, um, who has like disappeared into the, the, the wilds of, of the land and stuff. And a lot of people have debated over the years, whether or not it's being actually racist or it's been, or it points out the racism, like people, you know, there's like this huge debate about what is the, the true reading of heart of darkness. And ultimately, you know, it is a book by a white man. So um, the author of things fall apart um, wrote this, this book, things fall apart. Um, Chinua Achebe, God, Chinua Achebe wrote, um, Things Fall Apart, which is a story about a um, man in Nigeria and basically like the effect that colonization had on him. Like it's the other side of the story and, you know, essentially like an own voices story. But he had this article where basically he talked about whether or not we can consider any sort of, you know, piece of classic anything, a great work of art, if it if it's damaging to a culture, if it's damaging to a group of people, if, you know, like the fact that we have to look at it with an asterisk means that we should be looking at it at all. Um, you know, and I don't, there's no clear, concise answer to that, right? Because it's like, these are sub- ultimately subjective moral 
values. Like to us, it's incredibly offensive for somebody to be a racist or to be misogynistic or to be homophobic, but to somebody else, it's not, you know, like that's just the way their mind works as terrible as we think it is. So it's like, you know, how do you treat something that has a, a poor history in the majority of subjective readings of it? Like, for example, you know, these like sexist um, and extremely white um, original Disney princess movies. Like, how do you look at it? Um, and for me, like, it's, you have to look at it and say, okay, like, here's why it's important. But at the same time, it's like, why am I saying this is important if it's teaching such terrible things and it's portraying such terrible things? Like, as a medium, Snow White is important to me because it was the first time anyone had ever did anything like that. Like, to me, Cinderella, don't I don't really consider it important because it didn't do much. It didn't do anything important to further its own medium, to further the art. Um, and the same with Sleeping Beauty. So, like, for me, I look at them as, like, what did they contribute to to the medium, to their craft, outside of, like, this unfortunate bubble of, of what they were? So it's, like, for me, it's, like, I got to pick them apart and say, this is what's important. This is what led to something better and greater and hopefully, you know, is a little bit of a redemptive piece for, like, the unfortunate appendages to it. Right, right. And speech. <laughs> no, that was that was fascinating. Um, Sam, any any comment? Nope. I <laughs> got it. Okay. Well, then going and going talking about how most of these films are made made predominantly by white guys. How yeah. do we? I mean, is it shocking that Frozen was? co-directed by a woman and it just so happens no. to be completely like crashing this whole first love, love at first sight ideal yeah it's you can't marry a man you just met you, you cannot this is true no, i mean you, you can, can but you shouldn't yeah <laughs> yeah no like right like and i and i think about it too it's like okay it was co-directed by a woman it's got two female leads it's about what it's about and it's the most successful animated film of all time like these things aren't coincidences right um, and I think that like Frozen really opened a, a door for like mm -hmm. them to realize like, oh, like people like this is like, this is it, right? Like we're, we're, we're reading this metric, right? We're reading this trend, right? We're on the, the right track here. And then you get Moana, which is like, you know, like I consider that a huge step forward because right. all of her, like she gets her own action adventure, like right. that has nothing to do with a dude except for like her buddy, The Rock. Right, right. Will we ever get a Disney princess film where you don't have singing? Um, right. Would Wreck-It Ralph count? Because Vanellope. Well, Vanellope's, yeah, you're right. But yeah, you're right with Brave. But yeah, I didn't think about Brave. Brave is one I often forget. But yeah. also directed Most by... <laughs> Co-directed by a woman. But um, that one's got some issues in terms of like the the production side of it. Because yeah. Oh yeah, no, that was that was a mess. That was a mess. That was a headache. <sighs> but um, okay. Well, but at the, from that same breath, like yes, they got that right. But also, Disney blamed like the the princess and the frog underperforming because partly because of the title of the movie. They said it was because there was the name princess on in the title that suddenly it that's part of the reason why it didn't make that much money. It's why they changed the titles from Rapunzel to Tangled and why they changed the title from of Snow Queen to Frozen. 
Yeah, we love love their adjectives. And that's why is because they thought, oh, the princess and the frog failed. It's also because of the name. People don't want to see a movie about a princess. And like, where's the logic then in that? If the princess and the frog had an adjective name, what would it be? Uh, Ribbit. That's not an adjective. That's That's like an onomatopoeia. But even better. Even better, that's an onomatopoeia. You know, Ribbit. Um, yeah, I remember it was such like a big deal. Like people were criticizing them for changing the name to Tangled, and at the time, I was like, I don't understand what's happening. Um, but like, yeah, okay, so it's like, why, why then? Like, let's 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 follow that train of thought, Disney. Like, okay, you think it underperformed because it had princess in the title, so you're taking princess out. Like, you know, this is something that you've had for 70, 80 years as yeah. like this empowering idea of like these are our female characters this is our pantheon of of iconic like culture heroes not culture heroes like prometheus isn't there but you know what i mean um now you're like jumping ship on that right right like what do you like what does that mean for everything that came before this yeah but on a brighter note jennifer lee this is something that news had dropped today um she has been named the chief creative officer of Walt Disney Animation. Yeah, good for she her. Took John Lasseter's job. Justice. 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 Yeah. That Jennifer Lee replaces him. Like that is just the sweet taste of justice right there. Yeah. So but, good. Um, okay, but given how she is now the the chief creative officer, like what do you hope to expect from Disney Walt Disney Animation now? Like what do you hope now? Like Obviously, they probably they've already probably planned out up until what Frozen Two. Uh, in terms of their animated past slate, that now, but, no, yeah. uh, th- but in terms of like revealing it to us, I think up to oh, like yeah. what they've actually revealed. They, yeah, I Frozen Two is the farthest out. Yeah, so I mean, now what's what 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 can we expect from the studio now? What should we expect from the studio? At least where Disney princesses are concerned, like, are we going to get? I mean, again, we just recently got Moana. We're going to get Frozen Two. Are they going to keep giving us more Disney princess films or are they going to like lay off for a bit and do some other stuff? I don't know. <laughs> well, because like, I, I mean, it's difficult, right? Because like she did Frozen, but she also did Wreck-It Ralph. She did Wreck-It Ralph. Like, you know, which so, also has a princess in it. Yeah, but it's like, you know, but it's Wreck-It Ralph. Yeah, it is what it is. Um, so, yeah, like, I don't I don't know. It's interesting. I'm excited. She wasn't the only she was like, it's her and um, and it's she's a co- Chris Buck. Chris yeah. Buck, I think. No, I thought it was really Peter Doctor. No, he produced it. I think. No, I mean like also taking over um Disney. Like she Oh no, yeah, but he oh yeah. sorry, sorry. I'm confusing. There's this other Peter I think who produced it. No, he's taking over Pixar. Pixar, okay, that's what it and is. And she's taking on uh Walt Disney and he's taking Pixar. But yeah, something interesting is also that we don't I don't know if we're gonna get too much into this, but we do have kind of the Kingdom Hearts stuff oh, with the Disney princesses. Which oh why 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 that sound Sam? I don't know. Yeah. You're not a fan of Kingdom Hearts. I mean, oh no. Okay. Oh okay. Yeah. <laughs> That's not that I don't like them. It's just like yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. Well, I feel like we that do- has more to do with Final Fantasy than Disney Princess. Okay. Fascinating. Okay. Fair. Fair. All right. But um, there we do get to see them in a different kind of more active role in that so disney has been and given how we've seen with wreck it ralph they are pretty flexible with breaking kind of or if anything they've kind of encouraged this kind of breaking of like this 
image, especially with like Cinderella and with Snow White yeah. and with Sleeping Beauty. Like they're they're they I think they want to break this image of like, oh, like we can't like oh they're they're bad uh role models for kids. Mm-hmm. I think that they they themselves I think are very much aware of like the negativity around the genre of Disney that they're involved in. So I guess. for me the first time Disney became self aware, like Skynet um was so i was trying to find i was told you know like before this i was trying to find this paper that i wrote in one of my film classes that tracked um disney princesses from snow white all the way up to um i think i went as far as pocahontas it was back in like 2011 so it was a while ago um but um Basically, Beauty and the Beast was the first time they were actively self-aware because the two guys who took over directing it, who also directed um, Hunchback of Notre Dame, um, basically designed it in a way that it would be reactive to everything that came before it. So, like, they designed Gaston to be like, this is the guy who would be the hero in any other Disney movie. And for all the reasons that he would be the hero in any other Disney movie, he's the villain in this one. And the opposite of that is true for the Beast. And obviously you've got Belle who, you know, loves to read. And, you know, in the in the, the newer version of it, she's also like the inventor person in it. So it was like the first time that they were like, okay, like, what if we pushed against this? And it was hugely successful for them. Like every time Disney has done this to itself, it's worked out so well. Like Beauty and the Beast was the first animated film to be nominated for best picture back when there was only five slots in, in the categories. Right. You know, so every time that they, they make these, these progressive pushes, like it works out well for them. Like, you know, when they did it with frozen, like, look what happened there. Like, you know, there's, there's something to be said for the, for the way when Disney becomes self-aware and actively says, okay, we know what you're thinking we we know what you're expecting we know how you're going to you know go about analyzing this and we're we're doing it too because you know they are slowly but surely you know getting to the point where you know we're fixing ourselves but there's you know like you can't like the singing thing is probably never going to go away because come on <laughs> <laughs> come on <laughs> and i'm fine with it belt it out i love a good i'm i'm a huge show tune person yeah. Um, you know, I'm like just saying, my, give me a rapping princess. Is what I'm, I'm fine with that. Lin Manuel Miranda should, you know, come back and do another Disney movie, but this time, like total Lin Manuel, Lin, yeah, Lin Manuel Miranda, Manuel Miranda style. Yeah. Okay. Well, then, on that same note, then, given how every time Disney does do a little push to be more progressive, it works out well for them. Will they take the leap then? We kind of already had a podcast on this, but will no. they do it? Will they do? Will they make Elsa gay? Fingers I crossed. Such hope. And the thing is, is like, like, I like this is the first time that I'm not 100 percent like, oh, they'd never do that, you know? Because part of me, however small, is like, no, like I can actually see them doing something with that. Like I don't see them doing like a full on like. Make out story yeah like but i could see them very much like hinting at that or like just putting things in there that that you know the audience who of a certain you know mental maturity would pick up on and be like oh subtext. um 
But is subtext enough, though? I know that no, that's, it that's, isn't. No, it isn't. I know that, that obviously, but no, I know that that's uh, that's what how far they'd go. Obviously, yeah. No, but. it certainly isn't. It certainly isn't um, far enough at all. But like, I imagine them handling this kind of like how in uh, How to Train Your Dragon Two, there was that one little like line right. that hinted with Gober, right? Um, and I could see them totally doing something like that. Like, I could see you know maybe not as comedic as that was played up to be but you know because the thing is is like they knew what they were doing like they didn't you know if you look at like everything that went into the making of frozen and all their interviews like they knew exactly what they were doing and they were conscious of it so you know considering the push of of the way culture is going and the way that um you know like our sensibilities are going i you know don't see too much danger in the very least, you know, hinting at something like that. Also, like, it's friggin' frozen. Like, even if Helen in Idaho boycotts it... It's frozen. It's frozen. Like, you're not going to make a dent. So... Right, right. You know, it's one of those things where it's like, if you're gonna do it, do it with something... Like, that's what they did with Star Wars, right? Like, they were... Like, you know, they they put all these female leads in Star Wars and all these leads uh, played by people of color in Star Wars because they're like, it's literal Star Wars. Like, and even with The Last Jedi where these guys were like so you know po'd that it was women and people of color and tried to cut a version of the film that took out all the women you know and ended up with a 40 minute cut of the film and like had all this like angry backlash and internet noise around it you know it still was literal star wars nothing happened well on that same note though countries don't ban movies for having people of color and women in them yeah yeah, then that so is like also the big, that. the big distract detractor, right? Is that like even the possibility of a hint of something like this gets a Disney movie banned in the foreign markets, which is where you know they have it's a huge money maker for them, right? Right. Which so. is like it's what happened with the live action Beauty and the Beast, despite the fact that it was like nothing. It yeah. was legit, just a wink, and that's really it. Yeah. Um. But yeah. Okay. Well. I, that about does it for me. And now I guess I'm going to open up the, I, I don't know. I don't know where I was going with this metaphor. <laughs> <laughs> open the room. Open. What's the phrase? I'm going to open the table. The open floor. Discussion. It's floor. the floor. Over. That's what it is. It's the floor. That's what it is. That's <laughs> what I wanted to say. Uh-huh. All right. So I'll open the floor to you guys in a section I want to call Rant Corner. Oh, boy. It's a game where all you got to do is pick a princess. That has bothered you and just unleash mm. your rage. No, you so don't. just pick anything, this. anything. Just I'll go first. While you guys think, okay. I'll go first. You just go first. I mean, we <sighs> we kind of touched on it a little bit, well, a lot with Ariel. But how dare you? How dare you risk your voice? <laughs> your oh, you're voice. yelling at her. Okay. <laughs> how dare you? Your voice gives. Being able to speak, and actually something I, I looked up that actually kind of made me like, it gave me goosebumps when I read it, was that when, with, what's his name, Howard Ashton, is that his last Ash- name? Ashton. Ashman. When he, um, his like, when they wrote, I think it was in Beauty and the Beast when they dedicated it to him. And mm. they said that he gave a mermaid her voice. And a and beast his soul. Wrote, he wrote part of your world, so it obviously makes sense because that's the only time where she actually is allowed to speak and say what she feels. Because bef- after that, you have directors and writers telling her, no, you're going to lose your voice for some guy you just met and you don't know. I just... I, mm. That's how you really feel. 
I just I uh, <laughs> I can't with I can't with Little Mermaid. I love part of your world, but like I there's just this very deep rage I have for her and how dare she. And Moana deserves a better friend. Is oh all I'm going to say, okay? That's true, she does. Like everyone's like freaking out over Moana and Ariel like, "Oh, look, oh, they're looking at each bromance. other in the thingy." And it's like, "Oh, it's a perfect bromance or whatever. It's a perfect ship." No. No, Moana deserves better, okay? Because Ariel picked Eric, and that was the wrong choice. But that would be, that's so great, though. Like, of course Moana, she's like, oh my god, you are the ocean. Like, this is so great. This is my favorite she thing. She is not the ocean. She is a fish in the ocean. Let's okay, get that right. Is... Like, who would win in this, like, fight of, like, ranking, of, like, hierarchy? It, it would be Moana. I mean, she's Ariel's the, the daughter of the literal god of the sea. So she's so she's Hercules, like Hercules's cousin or something. Who cares? Yeah, <laughs> she gave it up. She gave it up. Like I would rather Hercules and Moana be buddies than than Ariel and Moana because Ariel just she's not worthy, not worthy at all. God, that's so sad. I do love my favorite joke of all time was the one in uh, Little Mermaid two when her daughter is like tweaking out and she was like oh yeah when i was your age i was a regular fish out of water and her daughter was like no uh, everyone's like no you don't understand <laughs> she, she was, was like a she was a literal fish out of water she was also 14 oh wow they are looking at each other in the poster that's really yeah yeah people were freaking out about it Weird. but she was 14 also like like look I, I understand with Little Mermaid, it's like there's there's like this very queer reading about Little Mermaid. Basically. Is there really? Yeah, because like, it's, like, it's a very like trans, like, you know, like oh, world, it's like the yeah, trans yeah, like experience, sense. wanting to transform into who you actually feel more comfortable in, like the body that you feel yeah, more, okay, most comfortable that, with. Yeah, so there's out. totally like, I get it. And, you know, given like the background, like the story was written by, like the actual story the, the movie's based on was written by a gay man who was like he wrote it for like i think he wrote it for his lover or like the person he loved like this man he loved and then he was rejected so this was like this like heartbroken thing is what he wrote and that's why it's so tragic the story like the little mermaid actually die in the original yeah yeah because she's rejected yeah she becomes seafoam because she's rejected so like i understand that I get it. But at the same time, how dare you, Ariel? <laughs> you are not, you, how dare you? Anyway, that's the end of my rant corner. This is all so I could say this. Like, I created this little game just so I can rant about her. Is I, was gonna say, I don't like, think I'm as angry about anything. Yeah. Oh, you don't have to. It's fine. But if there's like anything, any sort of. Think, does anyone piss me off? Um, it doesn't have to be pissed off. It could be like an annoyance. It could be just like, like, I don't know. It could be, oh, okay. Like another thing I just thought of. Mulan is from Uh-oh. China. She's not a geisha. So why are you dressing up, uh, her uh, up like yeah. a geisha? True, Come on yeah. now. Anyway, so that's yeah. any particular. I mean, I guess I am a bit annoyed at Ariel because like, you know, kind of exactly like I said, right? Like I like you kind of immediately think of her when you think of like sort of the independent Disney princess because she was the rebellious 1980s teenager. But like all she was, you know, like. And, like, you know, she could have been, right? She was so close because it was, like, this person who took agency and was, like, I'm going to get freaking legs and I'm going to walk around and it's going to be fantastic and I'm going to do everything I, I want to do outside of my, my you know, box that I was, I was you know, raised in my entire life and I'm going to go see the world and it's going to be great. And all this is, like, yes, you should do that. But then they had to go in and code it with, but there's a dude involved. And it's, like, oh, like, come on. You were so close. Um. So I guess, like, that's the closest thing I get, right? Because it's, like, 
It was like, you know, Ariel's like, you know, the thing that everyone goes for and she always gets Disney bound a lot and people bring her up and stuff. And Howard Ashman's, you know, huge influence on like the feminist readings of it and like the things he injected into the, his lyrics. And then it all just kind of like gets rightfully overshadowed, you know, in our minds by the fact that like, oh, she did all this for a dude ultimately. Like that's like how it ends, right? Like the happy ending is the wedding, not that she got legs. Right, right. That's a good way to put it. That's a really yeah. good way to put it. I'm now seeing fan art of baby Ariel and baby Moana hanging out, and I'm super into this. I didn't know this was a thing. <laughs> it's a thing. It's oh, a very much man. Thing. This is excellent. Uh, okay, uh, Sam. Any any little nitpicks? Any things that you want to just like let? I out? don't know. Something that's always bothered me is like the ages of the Disney princesses because they're all yeah, like. Right? under 18 they're all like getting married and stuff and obviously that's not good and that's a really old world way to view like womanhood and like all that other stuff and mm-hmm. i guess you know ladies just got married when they were 13 or whatever because yeah, it was in frozen they're like 21 and 18 i was like oh the only two people not in the age of minority yeah <laughs> yeah so like stuff like you know Prince Charming, what were you going to say, Beatrice? No, 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 please, please. Okay, stuff like what's-his-face Prince Charming guy in Snow White, like, getting no, with her no, when, she's like, when she's, like, 13, and, uh, yeah, right? 13? Yeah, yeah she's, she's meant like to be 13. 13. <sighs> yeah, it, it's, it's, like, bad, and, like, back to what you were saying earlier, Beatrice, about, like, you know, can we, like, in good conscience, recommend these films to, like younger people and point to that and say like you know this is the woman that you should be definitely not in that case um little mermaid you're not even a woman you're 13 (laughs) yeah and little mermaid brought up she's like what 14 15 something like that uh is turning 16 yeah 16 because it's her birthday i think at the beginning isn't it yeah who who knows 14 though oh yeah she's turning 16 in the beginning of the movie when she misses her concert or whatever, I'm pretty sure. Am I? Did I dream this? I'm pretty sure that's. What, I'm pretty sure she was 16. How old? <laughs> How is old is the Little Mermaid? Tell me. How, Google. Okay. Says, Google says she's 16. Okay. 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 Well, how old is how old is Rapunzel, by the way? Uh, she turns eighteen in the movie, and Flynn Rider is twenty six. So. Uh, oh, what? No, that's a lot. It, no, especially like in what 2008, 2009. No, Disney. Well, that was no. 2010. That yeah. was 2010. Whatever. No, that's bad. Don't do that. Big age gaps like that, especially when you know one is still a minor. Uh, no. Yeah. Just like. Yeah. Um, no, I was surprised. Um. Uh at how big that age gap was. Cause I thought it was a joke on internet movie database back when you still had those, that was back when the forums were still there and people were saying, no, he was 26, but I like vetted it. And there was like, no, like that was his official age as given by like Disney. And I was like, holy. Uh, and then my, my last thing, the revisionist history of Pocahontas. Yeah. That, that whole thing, especially like aging her up and making her like sexy. And she's like, you know, the sexy native. And that's like a whole trope. Mm, and, like, yeah. it's, it's messed up. Um, Lindsay Ellis, uh, did a really good video essay, uh, like, almost a year ago. It's called Pocahontas Was a Mistake and Here's Why, where she compares Pocahontas to Moana and, like, all the different, like, nuances and feminism stuffs that, like, go into those things. Yeah, stuffs. Uh, like, I think that did 
a really good job like illustrating the point of like uh this is kind of messed up and disney shouldn't have done it um yeah i'm just uh, yeah pocahontas is just like <sighs> like who would who thought that was a good idea ever yeah. and they what, like the entire it? movie of pocahontas yes yeah no that's messed up and who decided it was a good idea to make a sequel of it uh, well, that one was meant to be more historically accurate. I know, I but like, still, you're like romanticizing the life of like this poor Native American girl who like died when she was fourteen. Yeah, and it's like it was just, ugh. yeah, I'm not a fan. You know, it's interesting, right? Yeah. Because like, even Mulan was like a pseudo, possibly historical figure. Yeah, like, I mean, it's it interesting. Was, it was like a, a, a poem, right? Yeah. Like a, a- yeah. That we think might have been based on a real person. Ah, Mulan. It's yeah. like, yo, like, why are you, you're picking these strangely, like, actual human beings to turn into your... Yeah, it's weird. Your Disney I princess. Mean, Aladdin. Aladdin's also based on uh, a story of... Uh, Thousand One Nights. Yeah. I, I, why... Am I the only one who's, all, who's surprised that they've kind of just let Pocahontas still be part of all this yes. like like it, 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 like you know like you know how in like fantasia right yeah like they they kind of it kind of took those little racist bits out of it yeah and then just kind of hid them away and tried to like ignore it am i but the only one surprised that, like, po- that pocahontas is still here despite it being like very i'm surprised that i mean i guess they've, they've downplayed her a bit like they because they don't know how to like undo that sort of thing i mean it is um, recent like, it's it easy is. to undo Fantasia. It's hard to do undo Pocahontas. Yeah, and that's what I mean, right? Like, they don't know how to undo it or back off of it, so she's very minimally used, like, in situations like this. Like, maybe, you know, they'll take Wreck-It Ralph as an opportunity. I was surprised she showed up in that, to be honest. Yeah, and she spoke. Like, she didn't, she wasn't, Merida was just, like, lurking in the background, like, waiting to strike, but. Well, Merida's Pixar. She didn't count. <laughs> she's Disney Pixar. <laughs> That's true, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't, I mean, that's like one of those, like, one of the biggest bad tastes in your mouth, right, is Pocahontas, because it's like, oh yeah, Colors of the Wind, but then it's also like, half the stuff in this song is made up stuff that sounds vaguely, like it could yeah. be Native American, right? <clears throat> made up by white, white people. Like, Stephen Schwartz was the lyricist for this movie, like, you know. That's I mean, but same thing with Mulan, though. It's like, yeah, no, you know, sure. it's the like same thing with Aladdin. It's like it's all like made by. Um, I made a video um, about the casting for the live action Aladdin film on my YouTube channel, talking about how like oh, like people were upset that they cast this like half Indian girl as uh, Jasmine, and I was like, well, technically, like the Sultan's house is based on the Taj Mahal, and also like that's what you get when well, four white guys write the movie. They kind yeah. of. Jasmine in the original together. story, the character that Jasmine was based off of was actually a Chinese princess. Right, right. So, so I'm this just whole like, thing they, is not. It's like it's like it's a big mix of things. I'm yeah. like that's what happens when you. That's usually what happens with Disney movies because they tend to be written by people that are not from that. Yeah. There's no own voices, right? Like they will right. cast voice actors correctly now. Like they've been doing that a lot recently, where they've been casting voice actors you know like ethnically like correct right. actors to these roles which is good but it's like that's who's controlling said. the story though yeah yeah very true very true um yeah well that does it for rage corner <laughs> or rant corner sorry we rant could corner. go Same like thing. all day about the racism in disney movies honestly <laughs> 
Oh, yeah. You can go weeks and months for that. I just, Um, so this is my thing, right? You mentioned what are we hoping for with Jennifer Lee. I'm hoping for more non-Disney princess properties. Stuff like Atlantis, like Treasure Planet. Like, action-adventure things like that is, like, what I would like to see. Gotcha. Gotcha. So that's how we're going to end the Disney Princess podcast, by hoping for less Disney Princess. (laughs) (laughs) I don't hate them. Like, I don't just, and, you know, we all know how much I love Frozen, but, um... Everything's very, you know, everything's problematic in, it, in its own way. Yeah. Nothing's perfect. There's good and bad in everything. And um, I, so I guess we'll end there. Ariel, I still cannot forgive you. All right. So find out all the info on this podcast at OverlyAnimated.com. Join us on Discord to text chat about animation at OverlyAnimated.com slash Discord. Support us via Patreon at Patreon.com slash OverlyAnimated. Thanks to all our current patrons, especially our patron of the podcast, Taylor, a.k.a. Needle. And thanks, as always, to our Patreon executive producers, John, Ryan, Steve, Alex, Andy, and Hugh. Thanks for listening, guys. We'll see you next time. Bye. Au revoir. Bye. Au revoir. I thought you said like moi, and I was like, oh. Moi, my people. <laughs>